Welcome to Getting to the Truth in This Art. I am your host, Rob Lee. And today we we have we have an illustrious guest. We we have we have big names here. We have photographer, photojournalist, and an activist based in Baltimore, Maryland. Please welcome Devin Allen. No, no, thanks for having me. This this is this is this is big. This is one of those things. I was like, hold up, <laughs> what do we what do we got going on here? And it's like, and you're just like a regular guy from Baltimore, which yeah, is <laughs> yeah, definitely you know. <laughs> so let's let's talk about your work and let's talk about your gear because I see a lot of people. I see images like of of some of the gear that you're using and then i see people kind of yeah i'm using that too i was like not the same way though <laughs> so so speak on that a little bit describe your work and describe your gear for us yeah like you know the work is that you know like a lot of people you know like my work started in the streets you know and that's one thing i think that you know that i owe my success to baltimore is that that you know um the work was never about like the gear at first it was just about it was something that i found through a mutual friend yeah. like, you know like a childhood friend we played basketball together um his name is josh austin um amazing poet in the city so like if anybody know about like cleon you know bluffing ass niggas or <laughs> you know or cleon cleon sort of commentaries back in the day you know the terry holesley's a lot of times that's like the space that i came up when i found art in yeah. baltimore and he was a poet, you know, and I just kind of leaned towards photography and I would use his camera. And I, uh, you know, I, w I decided that I wanted to be the photographer. You know, I didn't have a lot of support at the time. You know, as a guy that, like, um, I grew up, I was outside. So, you know, like, I know a lot of people in the city. That's why I get a lot of support. So I was a party promoter. I was in the streets. I was hustling, yeah. you know, with my peers. And then I found art. And I think that the art that, I've, that, that has been able to develop where, you know, it allows me to create these dynamic images that bring you into Baltimore because the connectivity between me and my, you know, my subjects or my yeah. peers and my friends, you know, and that's kind of the style that I just started off shooting. My homeboys can be sitting shooting dice. I'm shooting it. You know, my homegirl says she want to be a model. I'm going to shoot her. Yeah. My homegirl want to be an actress. I'm going to shoot her. My homeboy is a rapper. I'm going to shoot her. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I just was like, oh, that's you over the camera. You know, so I went from like everybody, you know, like Devin Allen is a fairly new concept, you yeah. know, growing up. They was like, oh, that's a little movie. Moody. That's Moody. <laughs> and then, you know, when I decided that like, I just want to be this artist, I'm going to just go by my real name. And, yeah. you know, when I start understanding equipment, you know, the technology of photography and being an artist, you know, um, I years it took me to find a perfect tool and now I have it. You know, it's, uh, it's Leica. That's my camera brand that I'm, I stand by. Uh -huh. That's all that I shoot with now. And that's my favorite brand. And they support the work. You know, and that's like the biggest thing. I try to align myself with brands because I'm not clean cut. I'm not, you know, I'm from Baltimore. You know, yeah. I was in the streets. You know, I grew up, I was, you know, homophobic. I was yeah. hyper masculine. I was all these different things, you know, that it took me years to decompress with the help of family and friends and just traveling and learning. Yeah. You know, that I, I try to be perfect, you know, because the work that I do is community based. Everything is about, you know, opening up doors for the next generation, connecting with the youth. Yeah. And, you know, that's that's the art. You know, I just look at myself. I don't even look at myself as a, you know, an activist, just a concerned citizen. I just feel like I'm filling a void or just creating, you know, to make space for other, the next generation. Yeah, it's, it's funny you, you say that part at the end as far as, like, not even seeing yourself as an activist, right? Where I think that's something that someone else, like, attaches. And, like, in doing this podcast and what the nature of it is, it's like— Yo, I got tired of people talking about Baltimore, so I need to show it's good shit going on in Baltimore. And it's like, you're an activist. I was like, pause. Like, nah, <laughs> not, not at all, not at all. I just deal with a microphone, and yeah. it's like someone's got to do it, right? So what 
what's what's that key motivation? That could be mo- more than one, but what's that, that that motivation that comes to mind um, when when you're taking pictures and when you're doing work? Is it economic? Is it political? Intellectual? Um, emotional? What what hits you when you're like you're working on something? Um, yeah, you know, you know, with something that started off as a hobby, you know, um, as I study people like Gordon Parks and the Anthony Barbosas or the Robert Houston's, the Roy De Carreras, the Jamel Shabazz, you know, things these are these are black, you know, black photographers that, you know, fell in love with photography but then understood that it was a powerful tool to digest your surroundings but also regurgitate it to the rest of the world where you can start affecting different spaces based off your own personal experience and allow people to see where you stand through yeah. your vo- your viewpoint and your vantage point. And at first it just started off, you know, I always thought that this is life, this is it is what it is. This is Baltimore. Yeah. You know, I can't change anything about this. You know, people die, you know, the the drug issues, you know, um, you know, the mass incarceration, you know, I have a lot of friends that are in jail, a lot of friends that have been murdered. You know, this is life. This is what it is. And my mentality was just always survival of the fittest. I'm just here to survive and live it day by day. You know, yeah. I didn't plan my life past 21. But then when I found photography, you know, and then sadly enough, you know, Mike Brown passed away, you know, and I went to go document that, yeah. you know. And I, that's when I really I understood a quote that Gordon Parks would say that his weapon was the camera against everything that he hated that was unjust or, you know, things in the universe that he hated against systematic racism and poverty and everything that he hated. I never understood that until I got behind that lens and I shot my first protest. You know, and the whole time that I've been documenting my community, but I've been empowering, Mm -hmm. you know, my community. And I think about how people get self-reflect on imagery and then feel proud in that moment to be black in that experience. And that's when I started to understand, you know, the power of a photograph and the importance of the work, that the work is not even about me. It's about my community and uplifting and educating. And not even if I don't have any words to put with it, but I'm able to bring things to the forefront. Issues, you know, like gentrification, you know, I'm able to document, you know, disappearing communities that, you know, oh, this corner store was here. I remember walking to it. It's no longer there. Yeah. All these projects were here, and I document that, and families can have those those imageries, those images to say, "Oh, I remember growing up in this." Or family portraits, yeah. you know. And then, like the sad thing, I'm starting to realize, you know, you know, I've been able to sit with the work. It's like in COVID, you know, a lot of my friends, I lost uh, like two friends, but it's like, you know, recently. Uh, my friend um, Baby J and my friend YBSL, but I have like these beautiful photographs of them that people repost and people use, you know, or my uncle who passed away from COVID, you know, I, his image was used for the obituary and I find a lot of my peers, but it's these, these images and that, that, that bittersweet taste that the, but the fact that this imagery stands the test of time that the people can re, re you know, reflect on their loved ones and things like that. So like a lot of times I find that I, I just, you know, just try to document everything around me. Mm-hmm. And then as things start to come together, they become political. Yeah. You know, because at the end of the day, these things become economic and it, it affects my community. So, like, a lot of times what I start off with just, like, these things affect me. Gun violence affect <laughs> me. So I want to go out, you know, and shoot these things. Or, you know, the, 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 the opiate academic that people talk about, you know, I want to— show people that this has been an issue in Baltimore so I start documenting those things and it so becomes like, political. So like one thing in it that and, and I I think I kind of want to touch on this where I think by who you are naturally 
you're a black male from this earth. Naturally, yeah. it's just like, it's baked in. This this is what I care about. These are things that are important to me. So yep. if you're into what I'm doing, maybe it resonates with you, maybe it doesn't, <laughs> or maybe this is something that's new to you, enjoy, you know? Exactly. And <laughs> I, I think people will appreciate the, the art, what's being produced, but then it's like, oh, why do you have to put this on it? This is me. This is, all of this is me. So... If you want to, like you said, you know, shoot the homies like like rolling dice or something, it's like this is this is what I live. In. This is what I'm saying. It's my reality. Yeah, yeah. So now let let's speak on. Um, let's see. Um, what do you think the role is? Because you you touched on like um, some of the, some of the uh, shooting that you did. So what is the role of a photographer or photojournalist during uh, political uprisings or social justice movements? You you were out there. You, yeah. you were out there. there. There's video. I was like, my man. <laughs> yeah, I've been out for a long time. It's been it, time flies. You know. You know. You think about. It, I came out in 2014. Was my first protest that I documented. I've been doing it. You know, now it's 2021. Yeah. Um, I've been able to do a lot of amazing things. And I and what I find is definitely last year was a very trying time for me as a person that had to who who was on the front lines and had to watch the news when Obama called us my youth and people my the younger generation my community thugs or you know the backlash behind the Baltimore uprising or yep. how they tried to drag Freddie Gray's name through the mud over a pocket knife or <laughs> talk about you know these things and the lack of support from spaces you know that people that you know who claim black lives matter who uses that overarching hashtag still was not standing in the solidarity with 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 Baltimore you know I think the most solidarity that Baltimore felt was from Ferguson yep. you know and the support from Ferguson where, you know, people came up from Ferguson or we understood each other's plight at that time. Not any other, no other city had erupted in recent years, you know, uh, around that time. But, you know, you look at George Floyd and Breonna Taylor, how the whole country erupted, mm -hmm. and now everybody is up to arms. It was kind of like... I was proud, but at the same time, it's just like I've, I've seen interviews where people be like, I want to get that Devin Allen shot. And it's like, who wants to really be in that space? You know, a lot of people don't understand that. That was one of the darkest times in my life as an artist. I was suicidal, uh, um, PTSD. I was being harassed by police, depression, anxiety. I was sick, you know, but, yeah. I, but every day I came out, I sat in every interview. I was on the front lines every day yeah. because it had to be done. You know, but it, who but who wants to really be there? But, you know, when you have that call to action, it has to be there. But, like, now it's just so glamorized and it's mm -hmm. so commercial. You know, it's, <laughs> it's a little different. It hit different. You know, last year was really trying for me. You know, and just also just talking to other photographers that, that, that struggle with that because when, you know, it wasn't a commodity when I got my time covered. And a lot of people think that I, they thought I was, a lot of people thought I was a well-seasoned journalist. Right. It was like, no, I, I picked up a camera in 2013 because my grandmother gave me a Best Buy credit card and I started <laughs> shooting. So when Freddie Gray died, I was two years into taking pictures. Yeah. I put my work on social media and it just turned into that. And I was able to turn that into a youth program and give back. I've never left Baltimore. I never lived anywhere else. I've been here for 33 years. You know, and that, I didn't, you know, and a lot of people look at that, well, you know, he works for brands now, he works all these things, but I'm still on the ground every single day. You know, and that's a difference. Like a lot of a lot of artists, you know, they put me in different veins. And ain't too many artists that can still roam and post up in the hood like me or still run around, go to the club, still do the things that I do. But I think it's very vital, you know, if you want to call me an activist or a concerned citizen, the fact that I, I understand that why I'm here. The thing is, the work that I've been able to do is been able to—my activism is just 
elevating the next generation. So now you got kids that understand the power of writing, yeah. the power of photography, the power of moving and thinking outside the box, the, the, the power of you have a voice, you don't have to sit by, you have social yeah. media, which is very, very powerful that can be detrimental or very strong. It's, it's a weapon. It's a weapon, yeah, depending yeah. on how you can use to build or destroy. Yeah. You know, so like, um, I think the power of a photographer a lot of times is us, we have to realize that we have to, rem definitely we're going to do the work that we do. Yeah. You know, for me, yes, I'm a photographer, I make money, and that's something I understood that I needed to remove the activism and, and the work, the commercial work that I do. Yeah. So the first thing that I did was, you know, I went the commercial route, but I, the work that I create is free. Yeah. You know, I don't yeah, yeah. you can't pay me to go shoot my homeboys or just post on a block or go to a protest. I'm going on my own. Yeah. I'm not going on assignments. I'm going on my own. You're not a, you're, you're not there for hire. You know, no, I'm just doing my thing. No, and then if somebody liked the work and they say, all right, we want to put it in this place. Yeah. All right, we can do that, but just make sure that I I make sure I own all my work because I need to own the 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 narrative around it. Because right. I don't want I don't want people telling me what I saw or, yeah. or creating a story around it that's not true or is false. Right. So I think a lot of times as photographers, when we do this work, I find that a lot of my peers and people that do this work, we have to put our personal gains to the side. Mm -hmm. As we're artists, we still need to make money, but we need to understand that when when you're in those spaces, you are a vessel, you are a conduit. Because beyond the movement, one, you know? one of the, one of the things I remember, and I was just like, "All right, I'll have to meet this dude." Because it, <laughs> it was it was a video I saw, and I was just like, "Same energy." Because it was it, was it wasn't me cussing somebody out. It might have been. It might have been cuss, cussing <laughs> the guy out, he, telling him to leave. Yeah, and, and it was just <laughs> like it was like at, at that time. I, I just remember a lot of really weird things that were happening and stuff is being documented, right? Like I was, I've been podcasting for 13 years, so I was podcasting then and I, I, I was doing one of the shows when that Freddie Gray news was put out there initially and kind of, I think what you were touching on, it's like, well, that's what Baltimore, you know, it's just kind of what happens. And then as it blew up, we were covering it. We were talking about yeah. it like regularly yeah. and people would hit me in the DMs. Why can't you talk about something different? This isn't as interesting, blah, blah, blah. And so you have that, right? And I was like, no, you don't live my experience. I see that shit all the time. This, this could be me. Like I'm twice that guy's size. This could yeah, be yeah, me. Easily. Or yep. on the other side of it, like last year. Having people literally hit me up and like, you've never experienced this. You're 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 a well-meaning black guy. And I was like, yo, don't say that about DMs, yo. Like, can we? And it's it's just one of those things where, kind of going back to what I was saying, people will appreciate what you're putting out there, the art, the content, but they want to somehow separate you from it, you yeah. as a person. And those two things are inextricably linked. You are like you're choosing to go to these things based on what your experience is, what your interest may be. The mm -hmm. same as what I might want to cover. And I'll say this: one piece of advice, and that kind of that 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 Gordon Parks sort of way that way you say you were influenced. I got a piece of advice from someone local here from Avam, um, Rebecca Hoffberger, and she mentioned the thing about like. I, I do a comedy podcast, and but we're talking about news, and I try to put like a more comedic spin on news stories that aren't the easiest thing. Mm -hmm. And she was like, "Yeah, the best way to get people to listen is sometimes you got to make them laugh, and they have to think about it." And that's the thing that I've kind of perfected over this time. Yep. Um. So, what in in in, in your experience, what is the most uh, useful photographic mantra? Like, yo, just get the shot. What what is the what is that mantra for you? What is that like philosophy you have when you're out there shooting? Yeah, it, I have so many different approaches on how I'm shooting. You know, um, for me, what I found is for just that works for me. 
um, I like smaller cameras. You know, I, I, I hate, you know, large cameras. You know, like when I first started, I was like, I need the biggest equipment. I need the biggest lens. I need the biggest camera. <laughs> you know, it's the same thing of a guy. I need a Ferrari. I need, I need, I need a drop top. Yeah, the Escalade camera. You, know, you need, you know, um, and what I find is like, you know, I was, I wasted so much money buying things that didn't just, that removed me from just living in the moment. You know, mm-hmm. too many lenses, too many cameras, too much, too much of something, you know. Um, and a lot of people are like, oh, my God, you know, I get pulled up all the time. You shoot like it's so expensive. And it was like, I get it. But, you know, one thing I learned, but it's expensive, but it's going to last a long time. You mm-hmm. know, you buying it. I'm buying into this brand and that brand supports me. But, you know, it's the simplicity of it. Yep. You know, I, I, I needed a tool that allows me to live in the moment. So, like, when I'm shooting... What I find is sometimes my favorite photographers are not, it's, they're people, people. You know, they know how to, I can move in a lot of different spaces, and that's what Gordon was very good at. He can move in a white space, a black space, uh, a Latin American space, all black, brown, blue, white, purple. Yes. He could not even, not conform, but had an understanding, you know. You know, um, so like what I find is what allows me to take good pictures is the fact that I'm able to remove myself and live mm-hmm. in the moment. So no matter what the equipment is, how can I make my subject feel comfortable about me? How can I make them trust me? How and you know sometimes you only got a short window to do that. Yeah. You know, so a lot of time, you know, um, it's all about you know just energy, you know, and reading people. You know, like and I always judge people. And I, this is one of my mantras. I have a lot of mantras. The first mantra is I shoot with my heart. Mm. You know, not my eyes. I stick by that. You know, yeah. some you know, and I found that out about myself when I went to Salzburg, Austria, with Fred Lazarus, the president of Micah, yeah. uh, Dina Hanging. You know, I got my passport in 2015. I literally been West Baltimore, you know, and then went to Woodlawn, lived in Woodlawn. Um, the furthest I ever went was like New York on the mega bus. I went to North Carolina for a friend reunion, and I went to Zoe Weekend in Miami back in the day with the homies. <laughs> That's the most I've ever traveled. But you know, after the you know passing the Freddie Gray, the time covers, and my art career was it allowed me to travel yeah. so when i went over there i snuck into a syrian refugee camp yeah and when i went in there because I, I didn't know anything about syria what is syria i didn't know anything i really i didn't know anything about the world but i was just so when i heard about those issues that was going on i wanted to know mm-hmm. you know because i always felt like baltimore was a unique place and while i lived in this little small bubble yeah so i snuck into and then as i was documenting it was like, i really can't st- tell their story i didn't have enough time to sit and build those connections i didn't feel that I had the right to tell it. So you know what I did? I put my camera down. And that's when I developed my other mantra. As a photographer, sometimes it's, it's good to know when to put the camera down and just live in, some, live in that moment. Yeah. Put, sometimes it's good to take, work, you know, come from behind that viewfinder, put the camera down and just live in the moment and take in the energy, the, the, the positivity, the knowledge that can mm-hmm. be welcomed. So sometimes you got to put the camera down. And that's what I do. I judge. Like when I hang up, a lot of, I don't do photo walks and stuff. That stuff, that's like so corny to me. I hate walking around with a whole bunch of photographers. And I just can't work like that. That's not me. Because if I'm walking with 10 other photographers, I can't get what I want. Right. You know, you know, people are oh, let's do a photo walk. And I'm like, ah, no. Nah. Because like me, I'm like, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm very good at predicting what a person's about to do. Yeah. So I can literally, like, it's weird, but I can, people, I people watch. Like how people watch birds, I watch people. Mm-hmm. I can watch a guy walking down the street and I'm like, all right, well, he's about to drink that soda. So I will <laughs> yeah. hurry up and get in a position to snap and he won't even know I'm there. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm you know, so like you're a sniper. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but like some stories I'm not meant to tell. So I put the camera down and I just live in it. Like if I, I go to other people's cities. I like to link with other photographers. Let me learn about your city. You know, I just was in Brooklyn with the homie. Yeah. I was taking pictures of them because yeah. they the homies, but I wasn't taking pictures of random people on a block. I was taking in the knowledge. 
you know, these projects, this this is these projects, this is the historical value. So, like, a lot of times I have a certain level of respect because I hate when people parachute in my community mm-hmm. start taking pictures with a lack of understanding. So when I go to other people's communities, if I don't have an understanding, I don't have time to understand or whatever, I won't take pictures. That I, I like that because that's, that's the way I approach, like, getting that. Mm-hmm. I, I like to get dipped. I like to get dipped in the culture. It's like, yo, mm-hmm. let me— like I could sit here, I could talk with people and do the man on the street. I don't, I don't really like that either. I don't really get the vibe off of that from my <laughs> medium, right? Of like, hey, miss, what do you think about this? Fuck it, who am I? You know? Right. Yeah. And again, it's it's like one of those things where people will listen to this podcast and they're like, how do you get to know these people? How do you talk to us? Like, I'm trying desperately to say, all right, I'm cool, I'm interesting, let's talk, and try mm-hmm. to do it in a very short period of time. Yeah. That's that. That's the only way I can try to relate to it on that level. But definitely. Going to a space and it's certain things that I like if I go to a different city, mm-hmm. but like I like New Orleans. I go there. I've, this would be my fifth time going there, and I pretty much go to the same places every time. Yep. Where's the art? Where's the booze? That's what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. And but I still don't feel like I know the place. So if I said that I wanted to relocate there or I'm going to be a part of some podcast thing there. I can't speak on certain things because I don't know certain things. Exactly, I can relate in a certain way of, mm-hmm. you're a black guy that's into some art? Sure, where's the crawdads? But that's about it. <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah, I think that's, and that's the thing that, you know, anytime I link up with other photographers and spaces, you know, I think about like the photo Dre's, who's amazing, the Joshua Kissies. Mm-hmm. You know, these guys have come to Baltimore and then, you know, it, you know, link with some of the homies or they've linked with me. Mm-hmm. You know, I've like, Oakland is like, I love Oakland. So, like, I'll go to Oakland, I'll link up with my boy Rough Draft and some of my other homies, you know, um, and they'll take me out, you know, mm-hmm. and they'll take me around, introduce me to people and stuff. You know, I just try to be respectful and conscious of what, you know, what's going on in that community because even though it's a black, it's a ghetto, it's the mm-hmm. hood, but it's not mine. So, at the end of the right. day, I don't want to go take a picture of a person I don't fully understand. You know, now, if I'm shoot, that's why a lot of times with my work, I like to create work. A lot of people are like, why you never title your work? It's just like, I don't title it because I want you to perceive, I want you to decide what you see. I'm going to yeah. put it in front of you, but what do you feel? What do you see? Yeah. I find that a lot of times when I give something a title or a caption, it loses, it, it, mm-hmm. it, it shuts off certain things in your brain. So if I say, if I take a picture of an egg and I say, that's an egg, you know, and it was like, it might not be an egg to you. It might be black and white. You might yeah. see something totally different. Yeah. You might, you know, see something totally different. That's a so, duck egg, brother. Yeah, was, <laughs> that ain't a chicken egg. That's a duck, you know, you might see something different. So a lot of times I love with photography that it's like, I can take this image, put it in front of you, and then you can digest it, and it might affect you a different way. I, I think that's that's good because there's no right or wrong way because I think too often, and I want to talk talk about one other thing real quick. I think too often we are looking for that right answer, especially when it comes to art and art appreciation and consumption. It's like, well, that's what they were meaning here. They they didn't say anything, you know, the artist. And I think the other thing that you touched on going back to your mantra that I think is really important and I want to echo it is uh, living in a moment. That is key, especially now, because you ever have one of those moments, I don't, I don't know if you got into meditation or anything, but that was Definitely. something that I've tried to do more. And whenever there's a... Uh, it's just a whack period of time. Like it's, it's like a shitty energy floating around. So I, I just need to, I need to not do anything for a few minutes, and it just turns it right back on. Turns that creative button back on, and it allows me to just. You're here. You're on the floor. You're on the carpet. You're playing with the carpet. It's nice and smooth. It's great. Mm-hmm. And then you're back. And I think right now, because everything is so instantaneous, instant gratification, and it's only gotten worse, mm-hmm. that we don't have that time to really live in the moment and absorb, like. 
like people don't know what apples taste like for sake of argument anymore because they could just move to whatever the next thing is. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about influences real quick. Uh, you, you touched on Gordon Parks a few times, so I'm going to assume, but I but feel free to add. So who are your photographic influences now and who are your non-photographic influences? Yeah, you know, Gordon Parks is like, that's a guy that I always, I wanted to be him. Like, that's like my idol. I never got to meet him, but I've been blessed enough to be the first, you know, Gordon Parks fellow of his, you know, Nonprofit. I've been able to go through his archive. My work is in his permanent collection. Um, they donated me uh, a $10,000 grant to teach inner city kids with autism, intellectual disabilities, photography, bought them cameras and everything. Um, you know, so like a lot of the things that I do, you know, just because he's my idol, I want to like check things off boxes. I want to direct movies. I want to do the things that he did. You know, he's my idol. You know, and then even like photographer, I always, you know, look to the past for a lot of things. So like the Anthony Barbosas, you know, a lot of people, I'm talking about he was shooting, you know, Miles Davis and all those people. But I, even all the way up to Erica Badu, you know, a lot of black photographers, you know, black male and female photographers not getting, you know, the, the, the level of, you know, Love that they should have been getting. Not getting these, those flowers. <laughs> not getting those flowers when they should have, you know. And I look at, like, um, you know, Robert Houston, who passed away in April, mm-hmm. who's most known for documenting the Poor People campaign, who was, like, another mentor who studied under Gordon Parks, but I actually got to sit and talk with him, you know, um, and, you know, got his blessings. You know, you think about the Roy Day Carreras, uh, you know, the Jamel Shabazz, who's still alive, most known. You know, if you, you love hip-hop, real hip-hop, you you know, he was shooting everything back in the 80s and yeah. 90s. You know, he was shooting Rikers Island because yeah. he was a CO. He would take his camera to work. You know, um, and um, so a lot of those older guys are, like, big influences. You know, but one of my biggest things is when I'm working, I love music. Mm-hmm. So, like, a lot of times, like, one thing is, like, my mom is probably one of the biggest people that my mom and my grandma always had one hand on my shoulder. So if I was messing up, and I was doing wrong, they held me accountable. And when I'm doing right, they push me forward. You know, it's, that's the same till this day. You know, my mom put me on with Girl Sky Heron. That's one of my ma- nice. my favorite. I don't care what nobody say. I feel like he's one of the first rappers. Absolutely. Like, you know, one of yo, he was just different. And then he was doing some diss tracks back then. That was, no, see, he, that was see your project in yeah, high school, my ta- guy. Yeah, you talking about Girl Sky Heron was going <laughs> was calling out, you know, white artists stealing black art. Like yeah. he was, he was way ahead of his time. You know, you Nina Simone, you know, the first Nina Simone, Baltimore. Yeah. I found out about Nina Simone. I'm like, Baltimore? She was singing about Baltimore back then. Yeah. You know, so I, I dive into a lot of music. But also right now, just like my peers though. Like, yo, just watching people I'm coming up with yeah. that, that come from similar backgrounds. And it's not always similar, but you know, my boy Kondwani, like that's my brother. You know, like um you're watching him as a writer coming out of Downer Hill, East Baltimore, amazing writer. Um, D. Watkins, OG, that's like my my big brother. The first time we was we met was almost 15 years ago, and we was about to fight a fight at a bar. And at the end of the day, he ended up becoming like a big brother and a mentor. You know, and I'm like the the godfather of his, you know, like his child and his, his wife is like my manager. So it's like, you know, it's like, and then have him a person like him. You know, he just worked. Help, he just worked on Carmelo Anthony book, yeah. and they brought me in. You know, because my relationship with Melo and the people that I know, you know, the people like that, just watching them like just come up, and it's like I'm living in this this era, just like, you know, people just doing dope stuff. You know, you you brought up like a kill. You know, like that's my dud. Like, yeah. you know, um. We got we like basically like cousins, yeah. you know. So you know him doing video, painting shoes. You know you got you got just like so many artists that I can go for days and just like 
even just like people that are like painting, like you know, you think about people like Derek Adams, who's from mm-hmm. Park Heights, they moved to New York almost twenty some years ago, killing it up in New York now yeah. for years. OG, um, the Jeffrey Kent's, you know, who helped sell my artwork that told me how to paint because I'm painting, I'm moving into other spaces. Yeah. You know, I think about. You know, Swiss Beats gave me my first Like a M, you know, when he met me. And that's the camera I still have. I put it up and bought my own. And now I'm signed with Like a, you know, mm-hmm. and I work with him full time. You know, people like him or Steph Curry, you know, um, me and him became brothers from traveling to Asia, supported, you know, yeah. a lot of the things. So a lot of times my inspiration is coming from so many different places. I just love people that do good things, you know, and the big thing, I love people that I've known their walks of life. And, you know, me coming from, you know, like I'm not a perfect person, you know, like a lot of us come from, you know, we done been through a lot, lost a lot of friends, seen some things that we probably shouldn't have seen, you yeah. know, growing up. But we've been able to take those lessons and learn from the streets and then be great. You know, I love seeing people like Stokey, you know, that that man was locked up. He from the hood. You know, that's yeah. like big bro to have him even just running for mayor says a lot. You know, yeah. you look at his son, you look at YBS Skola, amazing rapper. You look at what Chino is doing. That's my dog. Yeah. Taking dirt bike to a whole nother level. You know, but then you look at people like Brittany Young, who's teaching kids how to en- how to engineer and build dirt bikes from scratch, doing campaigns with Nike. You look at Cool Ant, you know, he's uh Cool Ant Tuesdays when he's, you know, getting people out and running and riding bikes yeah. around the city and giving back through car washes. You can you just so much going on in Baltimore with people. That's what I think Freddie Gray inspired a lot of people and then gave voices to so many people where we just like, all right, well, we sick of the BS. We're going to hold ourselves accountable and mm-hmm. then be the change that we want to see. So, like, people are like, yo, yo, you could be in New York. You can be in L.A. But I'm like, man, Baltimore is my home. Like, yeah. I've been here all my life. I want to come up bootstraps with these guys, you know, because so I can brag years later, you know, when the next generation coming up, you got people like Roddy Rex, you got, you know, YG Tex, you got the Larry Loves, you got yeah. Black Wall Street with with, with um, Skirt, and you got, you know, it's just so much going yeah. on. You got Black Swan, Chris got the Black Swan thing going, Black on Wrestling yeah. and Harbor East. Just look at all these beautiful things that's coming up in Baltimore. You know, you got... You got, you know, Aaron Jones, Taylor Shop, you know, on Chase Street. Yeah. You can go get Taylor. These are black-owned businesses and black-owned people doing amazing things. That's that's one of the things, like, you, you touched on where it's one of those things where people are like, oh, you popping? You should move. It's like, nah. No, like for, stay for, here. For me, for me, like, there have been opportunities presented itself, and I was like, that's going to do it here. It's going to matter more to me here. Yeah. And, you know, I've been here, Lafayette Projects, you know, back in the day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so yeah. it's like, people never think I'm for the fucking project. <laughs> but it's one of those things, like, it matters much more doing it here and doing it mm-hmm. around because there's there's a realism here with the people. We could, like, I always joke about, I don't know how successful uh, people from Baltimore can be because we don't do the fake shit. So it's right. like, yeah. <laughs> this is another mantra. Like I tell people all the time, you know, like that, what's that old saying from New York? Like if you can make it in the big app, you can yeah. make it anywhere. Make it here, Where anywhere. I say if you front, if you can make it out of Baltimore, you can make it anywhere. Yeah. I'm telling you, you from Baltimore, I've, I've, I'm, I've traveled to Tokyo and ran into people from Baltimore. Nice. Thing is about Baltimore people, I feel like we are very unique and we can survive anywhere, like for real. Like mm-hmm. I'm looking at like with the homie Paul, like you, you, if you haven't been to the Civil, you know, I went to his birthday party. I seen so, so many beautiful black people. Like my homegirl Asia got the, the clothing line strut. Paul's a, <laughs> got a black owned restaurant in Mount Vernon. Like I'm telling you, any if a black person just has the knowledge yeah. and, and, and they learn how to maneuver, they can survive anywhere. And then definitely coming from Baltimore, 
you know, a lot of our ancestors came from, our great-grandparents came from North Carolina. Mm. Everywhere I go, they say, you from Baltimore. I know you got some family from North Carolina. <laughs> Same. But, you know, all of us do. <laughs> yeah. But I just feel like Baltimore, we got to, our hustle is just unmatched. Mm-hmm. You know, and then we're, everywhere I go in the world, they love us. Yeah. They love us, period. Yeah, I, I, I just, like the last time I was down in New Orleans, and he was like, "You from BMO?" And I was like, "I, I am. How, how are you, bro?" And he was just like, "I noticed." I was like, "How you? What? What? How do you know?" <laughs> He's like, "Something about you, just like here." And I was like, "All right, then. Yeah. Peace, bro." They, they made you say, "Dude, too." Actually, about the wire. Oh, look, I went to Morgan, man. I had those two too much. Yeah, and it was, it was funny because like for for that, like one of my. Um, my high school teachers was one of the writers on the joint or what have you. So it's like, yo, I have an extra special connection to it. Yo, the wire, yeah, yeah. 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 And yeah, my, yeah. my girl is like rewatching it right now. And she's oh, like, yo, so I, didn't, I didn't have this perspective living in the county. Now living in the city, this yeah. makes sense no, now. But the, yeah, yo, it's crazy because now they're filming. The same writer is filming We Own a City. You know, shout out to D. Watkins who wrote an episode on that. Nice. You know, they got a lot of Baltimore people. My boy Booster who cleans everybody's sneakers in the city is yeah. on there. I'm actually going to be on set. On October the second, playing myself, you know, um, <laughs> nice. playing playing myself, reacting. You know, I think it's important, you know, to do a little cameo. But you know, like the why open up a lot of doors for the community, despite you know some of the truth that's is about the city was brought to the forefront. But it did open up a lot of doors for a lot of people, and you know. Um, like I tell everywhere I go, I'll be like, it's worse than a while, but the same thing, you kind of Baltimore. One thing about Baltimore, yo, the love is unmatched. Like, yeah. you know, a lot of times people don't understand, you know, like, oh, Baltimore, you're going to die, you can get shot. I'm like, this this ain't, ain't no gang violence, ain't no drive-bys. No, we good. <laughs> you know, you can kind of, yo, I've brought people to Baltimore from all over the place, and they just get blown away by the food, yeah. the love, the generosity, the fact that people speak. You yeah. know, like my boy moved down here from Harlem and we worked at Under Armour together. And he was like, yo, people keep saying hello, good morning. And I'm like, you know, yo, people speak here. You make yeah. eye contact, you know, in certain spaces. Like you ain't canting in life fair, you might get that that, that little smile. Yeah. You know, you're a smile. Yeah, I know what you about. That little cheese. <laughs> like, that's, eh? yeah, hi, we made eye contact. But we speak here. So, like, the, the, the energy in Baltimore is very infectious. And mm-hmm. everybody I've known that's not from Baltimore that have lived here for a short period of time and go wherever they go, Baltimore leaves a special, you know, spot in their heart. So in it. Uh, this, this is an ad level one because I, I have not gotten a good answer to this one. I think you're going to have one for me. What Which nickname do you prefer for Baltimore? Charm City, uh, the greatest city ever, city that reads, which didn't work. What, what do you What do you have in, in mind for that one? I know this one is off the cuff, but it, it's interesting. You might even have your own. You might even make one up. I don't know. Though the crazy part about it is, like, I ain't never know why people call it Charm City. I'm like, what? I just thought that was the name of the football teams. Like, oh, Charm City football team. Like, you know, um, I hate when people say be more. Like, I hate that. You too? Yes, I hate be more. Like, I hate, hey, yo, be more. Sorry, like, look. My, I ain't going to hold you. Like, my favorite is um, my boy BJ. Um, he got a store down in South Baltimore, you know, yeah. um, Baltimore legend. Um, he coined the term. He makes the West Baltimore, East Baltimore hats, but with the D. So instead of the, you know, instead of the T, it's the D. Yeah, so it's yeah. like Baltimore, and it's like that's how I say it. So that's how that's that's my term. I say Baltimore, yeah. and then people say like, you mean Baltimore? I'm like, nah, Baltimore. Like say Baltimore. Like I hate be more. I hate the city that reads. Like I remember that campaign. Kirchmo you know, no child left behind and all that. Like um. I, I hate be more like um, greatest city in America. When I found out the story behind that, was just like yo, they we got that from Atlanta. Like yeah. 
You know, we got that from Atlanta. That was some, something that one of them may have saw down in Atlanta and brought it back here. Marketing campaigns for yeah. here have, have not worked because I remember, like, what is it, like maybe 2010, a little bit before that, when they were first talking about doing gambling and shit here. Oh, they were like, yeah. oh, yeah, Baltimore, get in on it. That's like, no, get, <laughs> no. get rid of that. Get it out of here. No, I don't want it. Just, just Baltimore. Like, I just like, I like when people just say Baltimore. Because that's like, the real black side of it. That's the real yeah. one. It's like, look, it's yeah. like the head, but, you know, with no hair, a more. You know, like, that's it. Yeah, like, my homegirls would be like, yo, yeah, I'm going to come up with the B-more. I'm like, nah, sis. Like, don't say that. Like, Please nah, don't, don't say that in front of that. me. Like, you know? Like, yeah, nah. just say Baltimore and we good. Like, we don't need no nicknames. We don't need no slogans. You know, Baltimore. You know, and then we got certain terms that I like. I love the word dragon. Oh, please, please. Yeah, <laughs> dragon. Like, you know, like the first time I heard dragon was like some of my little homies, some of my homeboys from down like North Along. It was dragon. I love dummy. Like, hey, dummy. I love it. You feel me? Like, I love like, oh, I'm bipping. I'm bipping around. I'm like, I love our slang. So like, you can have a whole conversation in Baltimore terms and a person will not know what you're talking about. And it was just like, oh, I'm bipping around. I'm dragging today. I'm out. Shit, I'm in family. <laughs> you feel me? Back then, you had Crouchy. Oh, it's crou- oh, the club Crouchy tonight. Like, I just love our terms. Yo. I love our culture. Like, I feel like we just so unique. Like, we're the best thing in the DMV, the most authentic, the most real. Yeah. I love it. My my girl's from New York, and when we first started dating, she's like from she's from Brooklyn, and we first started dating, she was like, I don't think you're from Baltimore. And I was like, what do you mean? She's like, because you just said Baltimore with all of the letters in it. <laughs> right. And I was like, yo, fuck you. And, <laughs> and, she, and it was certain things. I was like, I say dog and all of this. She was yeah, like, yeah. uh-huh, uh-huh. She's like, say orange. I was like, oh, shit. She had a new one I wasn't expecting. Orange, she was yeah. like, y'all put a C at the end, like a orange. C-H. I was orange. like, oh no! Oh, yeah, we do say orange. I was like, oh no! no I hate when people say oinch. Like they, some people be like oinch, like oinch. I'm like, nah, oinch. Well, I do say, I do put a CH on that. Yeah. The, the color of the fruit. Yes. <laughs> um, so, last two questions I got. <laughs> Over the last eighteen months, a lot, eighteen plus, a lot has happened, good and bad. Um, re- regardless, um, I think that there's an opportunity to learn something from these things, the good and the bad things. Uh, share anything that you've experienced during that time that had a lesson that accompanied it, like. You know, was it something with, like, the Under Armour situation? Was it something in some of the work that you've done that could have been good, could have been bad, but you got something out of it that, mm-hmm. you know, you learned a lesson from it? Um, the thing is, the thing is, like, a lot of times, like, my mis- I learned so much from my mistakes and, and moving wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, I think a lot of times people make mistakes and do things wrong or maneuver wrong. I think the issue is when you don't sit with those mistakes and those bad moves, you can't learn from them. Mm. You got, when people winning, you celebrate all your wins. I'm winning, I'm winning. Yeah, yo, yeah. celebrate. I'm posting my wins. But when you lose, are you sitting with that loss, though? You know, mm. like I failed so many times, made so many mistakes, you know, even down to just picking the wrong friends. Like it just or being in the wrong circles or being around the wrong people or, you know, as a person that's very social. Like I know everybody in Baltimore. I'm very popular, you know, and I'm a really nice person so it's like I, I, I try to show everybody love you know and I think what I what I what I learned is like everybody don't have the same moral compass you mm-hmm. know and that's something that I learned but I had to sit with that and understand like why why people do these certain things because they're not raised like I'm raised they ain't been through the things that I've been through and a lot of times I alienate spaces that I grew up in I thought because I became an artist that I needed to be around other artists but I forgot the hood is what inspired me. Mm-hmm. Let me get back to my roots. Let me get back to what what inspired me, what gave me the hustle, what gave me that 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 velocity, what gave me 
the love, you know, the admiration. So, you know, like for a, a one point in time, I was just ripping and running with my little crew, you know, falls like artists and hanging on certain scenes. But then, you know, as, you know, as the work progressed and stuff, and then, you know, I was like, yo, like, I had to get back to my roots. Like, I had to really go back outside, post up on a block. You know, I thought that success meant I had to remove myself from these spaces. And it's like, never had to remove myself. I just had to be conscious of my surroundings. Mm-hmm. You know, that's something that, you know, like, I, and the thing is, like, my mom is my best friend, and we sit and talk about that. Yes, there's certain things I no longer can do. Like, I can't sit on the block and do, smoke a blunt. I can't sit on the block, you know, like, do certain things yeah. like you know I have to be I have to understand that I am a role model you know that kids look to me so I have to do have a maneuver I, I still need to be my authentic self mm-hmm. so like I still I had to get back to that you know and I found myself like in spaces and doing things that, that was not genuine or authentic to myself and I felt like I was learning, losing myself even down mm-hmm. to creating art you know I would create art I used to create because and take pictures because that's what I love but it got it became so much of a business where I was creating work because I knew that's what social media wanted to see. I was right. no longer creating for myself. So people expected certain work from me, and I gave it to them. Instead of keeping like that, that young childhood self that just was creating to create to make timeless work. Yeah. You know, and I had to get back to the bone, the gristle of yeah. why I created in the first place. It was to help me, you know, with with my life and then experience life and all those other things. And that's one of my lessons that I learned. And then, you know, as I sit and I talk to, you know, I talk to a lot of kids. That's like one of my biggest things is being like um, a role model to kids, like, you know, making myself accessible. I can go to this school, sit on a Zoom call with this. Kids yeah. can get them gems from me. So they don't have to go through a lot of the things that I went through or see some of the things that I've seen, you know. Um, so, I had to make time for that. I had got so busy, I need to continuously to push this and push that. Like, no, take a step back. I lost the joy in creating. Is, and what, <laughs> is, that, is that important because you're, you're touching on it? How, how important has it been for you to be able to do that that thing, kind of step back and reconnect with, people say, with source, with re, but yeah. reconnect with what that rue is, like what that reasoning is? Because I think when you start having those wins that you've touched on, mm-hmm. you start like this is real. Yeah. And then you're not really connected with, I think because of the winds, why you might be doing something mm-hmm. and getting back to that is, is that something that now you or it becomes a, like a regular practice for you, like to re regularly reconnect? Yeah, 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 definitely. Um, you know, like when I, when I first started this journey, it was all about, you know, it started off as a hobby that honestly the power in it. And then it was to make change. You know, it got to the point where, I understand that the accolades are very, very important. You know, getting my work into museums, mm-hmm. you know, collaborating with brands. It's a part of being an artist. But, you know, a lot of times, you know, that first time cover, you a lot of times you get tied in looking for that next time cover or waiting for that next big picture or waiting for this next accolade or waiting for the next big show or waiting for this next idea to come across your mind. Yeah. But I'm losing time. You know, the thing is about... Our kids, our kids move really, really fast. So I have to make sure that I'm still relevant in that space. So, yes, I have to get those accolades. But at the same time, I need to make sure that I am conscious and aware and accessible the fact that a kid can reach out and touch me. You know, so, like, if I give a kid a camera, it's not just me just giving you a camera and I'm walking away from your life. But if you got a camera from you can still hit me on the ground. What's up, shorty? Yeah. You know, and making sure that, oh, uh, what up, what up, what up? <laughs> you know, and, and, and really it came full circle when one of my kids that was in one of my classes I taught with Red Bull, me and my boy D. Watkins, 
in 2017, I turned around during COVID. He came down to, um, I started photography down City of God, South Baltimore. They was like, my, that was like my hub as like a young kid. I would be around people like Smash, OG yeah. Smash, Gucci Bag Blues, you know, yeah. one of the most iconic Baltimore rappers. Um, and, you know, people like G-Songs, Rest in Peace, and a lot of my other peers. Um, and this kid had his mask on. He's taller than me. And they was like, you need to meet Devin Allen. He's right there. He's one of, you know, I know you're in the photography and video, but you need to meet this the guy right here. And this is like my homeboy's bragging about me. Yeah. And he was like, man, I know him. You know him. He gave me a camera. <laughs> and I'm looking like, I'm looking. He like, he taller than me. And I'm like, I gave you a camera. When I he, had a camera. Ma- he had a mask on. <laughs> yeah. So he took his mask off. I was like, oh, oh, shit. <laughs> I, you was at my Red Bull class at the Julie Austin. He was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got a full, I got full ride to NYU for film. Wow. Look at my film. This is what I, you know, and now, you know, because of COVID, I'm not going to be on cameras, but I got a full ride of film, you know, and I thank you for giving me the camera and the gems you gave me. Yeah. That's when it hit full. So I was in that joint trying to cry. You know, I got my hood homeboys around me like, is you crying, yo? I'm like, no, I ain't crying. You know, it's dust in here. Y'all ain't sweating like yeah, man. Allergies, man. No, but that's when it came full circle. And then around the same time, we was working on, um, my boy was helping, working on Mellow Book. And then I just had did a Zoom with Mello, you know, because of the bubble. I couldn't shoot Mello in Baltimore and stuff like that. So I had to, like, you know, finesse it, you know. And I went and around the same time, so my young boys hit me. But they was my students, like, five years ago. They both taller than me. And I, and I, and I took them out. I shot them. And they was, like, my models, the stand-in models for Mello or whatever, you know. Um, and it was just, like, seeing them go from, like, these little kids in, like, middle school and they graduating high school. And the fact that they look at me like a big brother, yeah. you know, and, and they still remember, the, you know, us. Simple things like we all taking pictures and we go down on McCullough and go to Burger King or something like that. Or we walk into the corner store. I'm just coming to their hood, you yeah. know, walking around with them. And then that's when I start really understanding, you know, like, the power that I hold. Like, these kids is, like, staying out of trouble because they don't want to disappoint me or they doing right or the fact that parents hit me up and be like, yo, thank you for doing what you did to my son. You know, like I had one of my one of my kids' fathers, like, come to me. You know, he was doing security at an event I was at. He was like, yo, thank you for looking out for my son and chilling with him. Yo, we really need, you know, I work so much, you know, but you're a positive figure. You know, I was like, yo, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, so, like, that's 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 legacy and that's what I want. But sometimes I do because of my work schedule, because I, I do understand that me being successful does sway mm-hmm. these kids coming underneath my wing and wanting to work with me. Yeah. So I try to constantly, because I have my own personal goals as an artist. I want to be one of the greatest photographers, artists of my generation. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I, I want that to be, when it's all said and done, I do, I'd rather that be measured not in the work that I've produced, but more so the work that my kids that I've put on impact. my impact in their lives. That's what I want to be measured on. That's, of course, the work is, like, oh, we got work in the Smithsonian. That's cool and all, but if I got, like, if I te- I've given out 600 cameras yeah. since 2015, but if three of those, if five yeah. of those kids can end up being the next, you know, Gordon Parks or, you know, Steven Spielberg or, you know, one of these kids can start a podcast and then, you know, because a lot of my kids into YouTube, you know, they can be the next Oprah Winfrey or yeah. like something crazy. You no, know, because possibilities are endless. But these, if I could save a couple kids, my job is complete and I'm content with that. And I can go to sleep and I can leave this plane of existence being happy knowing that I've planted seeds that's going to blossom over the next couple years. That's the legacy. And um, I think we can wrap it right there. So what I like to do at the end of this is always, 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 as if you need it, but as always, <laughs> give uh, the guests the opportunity to shamelessly plug. So where can he check you out on social media? Yeah, like um, 
My name is Davin Allen. You know, if you want to check out the photography, um, I'm building a building my first website right now with my team. I I got some managers and stuff. Now you need a website, but <laughs> you know, I'm always on Instagram posting. So you want to pull up on the gram? You know, I try to respond to a lot of my DMs. I do get a lot, but uh, my personal portfolio is on Instagram. You know, that's where I started my art career, and it's very personal. So I love to be on Instagram. So definitely hit me up. Um, it's B Y D V N L L N. You know, so hit me up. I'm always posting, and I'm always. And if you're in Baltimore, you can you can always catch me at like our house or like <laughs> you know nice. bouncing around the city, you know. Um, and if you if you see me, you know, buy me a gin and tonic or something, you know. Have well, a good time. I'm well, good. Watch <laughs> the IG pretty close. You might encounter some of his uh, smooth dance moves. Yeah, uh, I've, love I've seen a few of them. I've seen Baltimore a few. Of them. Two step. <laughs> so um, thank you again, Devin. This has been uh, this has been dope. Um, so for Devin Allen, I'm Rob Lee saying that there's art in and around Baltimore. You just have to look for it.